I want to continue my message from last Sunday. So I came up with this bright, intelligent title. You can start it if you hadn't. Uh, This bright, intelligent uh, title for my message. Last week I entitled my message Activated. So today it's Activated Part 2. Very creative, isn't it? And uh, I believe that God... We, we met with the, the leaders of our church on Thursday evening, and you could feel the excitement and the expectancy in the leaders of this church for what God is already started to do, is doing, but is also getting ready to do. And uh, I believe it's going to be a quick work, and we have people that are receiving dreams and visions of different things that are getting ready to happen, and I believe that they will happen. Um, But what I want to do today is, again, bring you to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We're reading from the King James Version. And uh, I'm not going to, I'm going to, Paul Weisbrod's going to help me again today read uh, some of these scriptures. And I'm just going to interject from time to time because as I was asking God what he wanted to speak to us starting last week, if you remember, I shared a dream from one of our longtime members that they had had the Saturday night before Pastor Suber was there, and they shared that dream with me, And but when, she, when they shared it with me, there was all kinds of people around in commotion and trying to get ready for the service on Sunday, And um, but as soon as they told me, something triggered in me, and I began to think about it during the week, and I had them send it to me so that I had it in written form, and if you remember... I shared last week that this dream was this person was in the hospital uh, room or hospital area, and somebody, a woman had octuplets, eight children. And in this dream, this, the, the person that gave birth to the, the octuplets um, disappeared. They left, and the hospital was handing out these babies, telling them that they needed to have a place to be raised. And in this dream, this person says, I took one knowing that I didn't have anything at home to even uh, resembled raising a child, didn't know how, but that I would learn as we went along. And uh, that they wouldn't have to then go through the normal adoption process. And uh, when they shared that dream with me, it totally went right to the core of my spirit because I believe that God has the, the number eight in Scripture means new beginnings. Number seven is divine completion, so number eight is new beginnings. He created everything in six days. He rested on the seventh, so everything was new on the eighth. By eight souls in the, in the ark, he, he saved mankind and started over, basically, and started brand new. And, and all through Scripture, you can find where the number eight means new things. And remember, that dream was Saturday night before Pastor Suber, and then Pastor Suber gets up and preaches, and he says, you're next is now and your now is new. <laughs> and so things began to trigger in my spirit even while he was preaching. And, and, and so I got to thinking, uh, well, how does that even fit in? There's things that God is wanting to start new in us. We don't know how it's going to happen. We're not even equipped yet to have it happen, but we're just going to figure it out as we go. 
and, and we're just going to follow after him. And so as I got ready for last week, I said, God, I need something to preach that encapsulates that. And so I started in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, planning to get through the entire chapter, but anybody in Grace College knows that that's almost an impossibility for me. And so we got through 6A. Didn't even get halfway through the chapter last week. And so I want to continue on in this chapter because I believe that God has activated this church in this hour, in this day, to do something for him that's going to turn this world right side up. Because the Bible says it was turned upside down. It's time to be turned right side up. We got used to living upside down and inside out, and God's wanting to recorrect us and readjust us, and he's wanting to use us to release the kingdom of God in this last day. And so I want to, I'm going to read the first part of verse 6, and then I'm going to bring Paul in to continue after that. But the first part I ended with last week is, in verse 6, the first part, he has made us able ministers of the New Testament. And uh, I closed my message last week saying, it's up to you. He has made us able, and I quoted Ephesians 3.20, unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or even think according to the power that works in us. And so he has enabled us to be the epistle, if you will, if you remember back earlier in the chapter, of the New Testament of the new covenant that is for the people of the world today. And so now I'm going to ask Paul if you'll pick up from that point and, and then I'll interrupt him from time to time. In chapter 3, verse number 6. Who, has all the, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. But if the ministration of death, written and engraven in stones, was glorious so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away. Okay, look at that again. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. Can I tell you what happened when Jesus came? When Jesus was born in Bethlehem, the Old Testament was fulfilled, and a New Testament, well, when Jesus was born, from those 33 and a half years, it was a transition period from the old to the new. The new actually doesn't kick in until Jesus dies. And, and if you remember when he comes to uh, the Last Supper, he shares the, the bread and the wine, and he says, this is the, 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 the this is the blood of the New Testament. I'm giving it to you. I'm pouring it out for you. And this is my body of the New Testament. And, and he's ushering in something. And now Paul is taking that and he's saying, listen, the old covenant or the Old Testament was glorious. See, we have a tendency to forget about the Old Testament because we like the New Testament better because the New Testament applies to us better. And because we pick and choose what we want to hear from God usually. But the Old Testament, the Bible says, it was glorious. If the ministry of the old was glorious, 
insofar as even the people had to shield themselves from Moses' face because the glory of God was so powerful on Moses and Moses only had the last little bit of the glory of God, there is something so powerful of the written word, the letter of the law, if you will. But the problem was the letter of the Old Testament brought judgment and condemnation. The Old Testament did not bring grace and mercy. Oh, I know there are some scriptures in the Old Testament that allude to mercy and allude to grace, but in all actuality, if you try to live your life based off of the letter of the Old Testament, you are doomed to death. You are doomed to condemnation. Because there is absolutely nothing in your power, in your will, in your spirit, in anything that can get you right with God from the Old Testament. The only thing that the Old Testament can do is to lead you to Jesus Christ. The only thing that the Old Testament can do is to reveal to you that you are a sinner condemned to hell. The only thing that the Old Testament can do is set up the foundation that says you are of most men miserable, all of your goodness is as filthy rags, and you need something better and stronger to give you life and that more eternal. And yet, Paul says, that's glorious. Your condemnation is glorious. That's how powerful and perfect God's justice is. Think about that. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Sometimes we like that kind of judgment. When it's somebody else's eye and somebody else's tooth that we're poking or taking out. But the Old Testament, in all of its glory, was to be done away with. And if the Old Testament is so glory, what's the next verse say, Paul? How shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? How much greater is the glory of the new? Not... not you're all looking at me like you're waiting for something profound to be said. That's about as profound as you're going to get. So you might as well grab a hold of it. Because what it tells me is all your old junk, all your old hang-ups, all your old habits, that old nature, that old man, that who you were was glorious because you were still created in the image of Almighty God. But there was something that was in you by the letter of the law that was death. It was separation. It was condemnation. And yet it was still glorious. In other words, we like to say, let's just forget about our past. Let's forget. I, I understand what that means because I've preached it myself. We need to forget about our past in this light that there's something better than our past. But don't disqualify your past or disqualify your future because of your past. Your past was glorious even if it was in a gutter. Your past was glorious even 
even if you were hung out to dry. Your past was glorious if you were abused, if you were rejected. I'll tell you why it was glorious. Because it was leading you to something new. It was leading you to the cross of Christ. And when Jesus steps into your life, he takes that which was already glorious, he washes it up, cleans it up, and according to this verse, how much greater and more glorious is the new than the old. Because when you are made new, you are a new creature in Christ. Think about that. Now, here's what I believe. I believe that there are too many people. And before I even make this statement... Because I've said it before, but I need to clarify it. I am not, and I'm closing my eyes so I'm not thinking about anybody, but I am not going to say this simply to those who have been alcoholics or drug addicts, or, but, but people that have had all kinds of stuff in their back that we don't necessarily classify even as addiction, but it's addiction nonetheless because it tears your life apart. Hatred, wrath, emulation, strife, uh, all envy, jealousy, all of those things. So I'm not just talking about chemically addicted people. I'm, I'm talking about anything and all of us. But here's what happens We don't recognize that we have been made new. We look at ourselves as the same as we were 10 years ago. We've just added something else. Here's how I know that. Because if you sit down with just about any counselor that's not Christian today, they will take you all the way back to the roots of your individual problems, and by the time you get done going through all of that, your mentality is, this is what I became, and now I'm going to add a new tool to be uh, keep my head above water. I'm just going to try to make it to the next day. I'm just going to try to be better today than I was yesterday, but I'm here to tell you that when you come into contact with the Spirit, when you come into contact with Jesus, that which was stays in the was department, and that which is is in the is department. He makes you a brand new creature in Christ. Do you still deal with some of the old junk? Absolutely. But you are no longer just adding another component to your life. You are being reborn of the Spirit. You are being changed and transformed and made absolutely brand new. So if you have had an experience with Jesus, I am challenging you today when the enemy comes and tells you you're this, you're this, you're this, you're this, you can look him dead in the eye and say, no, that's what I was, but I am who he said I am. I am his child. I am his creation. I am a chosen generation. I am a royal priesthood. I am a people all unto himself. If the old was glorious, how much glorious is the new? See, this church has a lot of glory in its background. I've been there for some of it. I came after some of it. I have watched different people in my time as the leader of this church And I have seen some glorious things that have happened. 
But I can only tell you what the founding pastor told me. I'll never forget it as long as I live. We came into a service and God exploded on us. We were in the old sanctuary. There was probably 50 of us there. And God began to move, and, and, and the word of the Lord came strong, and, and tongues and interpretation, and God did some things, and, and, and nobody was in a rush to leave, and, and, and all kinds of things began to happen. And I'm standing there like I often do at the back door greeting people as they leave for the day, and I'm standing there, and Pastor Gary walks out, tears streaming down his face. He hugs my neck, and these were the words that he said. He said this, the Spirit is back in the house. And it has not left. It's gotten deeper and stronger and higher and wider and more powerful and more anointed. Is it because of us? Partly because we're here, but it's because we have allowed God to have his way. And we have allowed the glory of the New Testament to rise up in the midst of those of us that were part of the old. And we've become a brand new creation. Listen, we don't pray like we used to. We don't sing like we used to. We don't worship like we used to. I don't preach like I used to. I've got to tell you, I have stepped into an anointing that I never dreamed that I'd ever have. I never dreamed that I'd ever preach without notes, and I haven't used a note hardly at all in the last year. Why? Is it because I'm better now? No, it's because I said, yes, Lord, when he said, let's go deeper. I said, yes, Lord, when he expanded my horizons. I said, yes, Lord, when he said, open up the word of God I said yes Lord when he said I'm going to choose this church and there are people throughout this congregation that have joined us over the years that have said, yes, Lord, whatever you want, God, we'll jump at it, we'll move in it. God, we don't understand it, we can't comprehend it, but if that which was old was good enough for us and you're calling us into something new, I don't understand it, I don't understand how it's going to work, but God, here I'm coming, I'm going to jump. <laughs> Praise God. Oh, my Lord. Verse 9, Paul. We're halfway through the chapter. For if the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more doth the ministration of righteousness yeah. exceed in glory. Yeah. For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect by reason of the glory that excelleth. Yeah. For if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. Yeah, yeah, read that one again. For if that which is done away, done was, away. was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. My God, somebody's got to grab a hold of this today. Your past has been done away with. My heart breaks when I sit and talk to somebody 
that is so tied up and tangled up because of something that they thought about, something that they did, something that they were. I want to look them eyeball to eyeball today and declare to you that which was past is done away with. Listen, Pastor Suber said it this way. He said, we're at that tipping point. I'll never forget when he did this. He did this and he said, you're getting ready to step into an area where the old things don't work. I don't know how it's all going to happen. I don't know how it's all going to come together. God's blowing my mind every day. All I know is this. Yes, God. Yes, It's going to be more glorious. It's going to be more powerful. It's going to be more anointed. It's going to be more full of fellowship. The kingdom of God is going to come alive like it's never come alive before in this church. Why? Because that which was past is glorious, but it's been done away with to be replaced by something that's more glorious. Somebody needs to raise their hand right now. And you need to give up your past. Be transformed right now by the renewing of your mind. Stop thinking like you did yesterday and start thinking like God wants you to today. You are no longer an addict. You are no longer an alcoholic. You have been blood bought. You have been purchased at the cross of Calvary. You have had his spirit anoint you. You have become a new creature in him. You are a brand new creation in Christ. You are spotless in his eyes. You are pure and holy and righteous. You are justified and sanctified and made brand new. Now embrace it. Embrace it. God, you're talking to me right now. God, I'm sensing you're speaking. I have been so wrapped up with what I was that I haven't been able to see what you're trying to make me. And God, I am now telling you, I'm going to stop looking and thinking like I did in the past, and I'm going to look to my future and my present and say, what does the word of the Lord say to me? I I know when I get going like this, I, I come across this sometimes even irrational but emotional. So let me just pause, take a deep breath, and ask you to look at this through the eyes of logic and not through the eyes of emotion. Does it make sense to you that Jesus would die on a cross if he didn't love you. Well, pastor, you don't know what I've done. I don't care. You don't know you, you don't know my backstory. You don't know how many crimes I've committed. You don't know how many people I've treated badly. You don't know how much hate I've had in my sport. You don't know how many times I've failed and fall. I don't care. Because the Bible says it at the cross of Calvary where Jesus hung on a tree and shed his blood for you and for me that we are brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. We are of the same body and the same body. 
building fitly framed together, rising up unto God. I don't care what your background is. You shouldn't care what my background is. The only thing you should be concerned with, what are you saying to me right now, Jesus? Where do I fit into your kingdom right now, Lord? It's not logical to think that Jesus would go through what he did and not think you were worthy of it. I, I kind of have stepped away from this. God's ministering to somebody right now. You have stepped into this house, and you have been beating yourself senseless because you don't think you're worthy, because you think you have strayed so far from the things of God that you have given up on so much that God... Some of you have even talked to God years and years ago and offered yourself to Him, and you've still walked away from Him, and now you think, well, it's too far for me to get back. Listen, my friend, that's not... Logical. That is insanity. The logical thing is, while yet we were sinners, Christ died for us. That's scripture, by the way, Galatians chapter 5. Somebody... Just receive this today. I'm fighting it. Saints, just begin to search him and and seek him. I'm fighting a spirit that is trying to hold on to somebody right now, that's trying to tell them and whisper into their spirit, oh, you may have been used by God a little bit, but you'll never be used of God greatly because there's so much junk in your past. There's so much stuff that's, that's connected to you. This preacher and pastor have come to you today to say, silence to the voice of the enemy and release the clarity of heaven because God is calling you into a great move of his spirit. He wants to use you. He wants to be with you. He wants to dwell with you and commune with you. Why? Because you are his kid. Release God. Release it, God. Release it, God. Release it right now, God. Let the bonds break. Let the chains fall. God, right now, by the authority of your word, in the name of Jesus and the blood of the Lamb, I loose this individual in the presence of God. Let them recognize who they are in you. Let them see who they are in you right now. In Jesus' name. Verse 12, Paul. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech, and not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished, but their minds were blinded, for until this day remaineth the same, veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. When it shall turn to the Lord, there are too many people that are serving God veiled. Pastor Suber said it this way. There's some people that are saved, but they haven't been delivered yet. There's some people that are his children, but they have allowed the veil of the enemy to block out the glory of the Lord. 
can I just tell you, it's not God's desire for you to look through a veil to see him. When he died on the cross and he gave up the ghost, the Bible says that the veil was rent from top to bottom. Can I just tell you that the the, the awesome glory and power and majesty of Almighty God is for you to look into today, for you to experience today, for you to be a part of today? But here's what is worrisome to me. And I'm just about done. But look at verse 14 again. I'm sorry, verse 13. Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. The veil blocked out the removal of the old. And why some of you are struggling with your past is because the devil has put a veil. Mm. And you come to a service like this, and you sit in a chair, and it may not be this this church, but a service where you're in the presence of God, and you're sitting there, and you feel a little bit of God. You get that little bit of goosebumps on your arms, and you're inspired to try better. And you're inspired to face another day as an overcomer. And you're inspired by the presence of God. But the veil, you just can't get rid of that which is abolished. You can't see how God has removed all the junk because the veil is there. So you see a little bit of the glory, but you can't see what actually happened on the other side of the veil. So let me give you a Bible study for the next two minutes. When Jesus hung on the cross, (laughs) he said something that is so powerful. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That was not just to the soldiers that put a nail in his hand and in his feet. That was not just to the centurion that was kneeling before him. It was not just to John and his mom who were standing at the foot of Calvary. That word echoes throughout eternity. Forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Forgiveness was given to you at Calvary. It was paid for at Calvary. And I've just got to say, I'm just going to give you my pet peeve. This is Tim Sanders' pet peeve. So if you have posted this, forgive me. But if I see it posted one more time, I may scream in the basement. Jesus did not drop the charges. The statement, the the thing that's gone around Facebook is, when, when, when he tries to make you guilty, you just tell him that Jesus dropped all the charges. He didn't drop any charges. He paid for them. He hung on a cross because you were charged. The charges have never been dropped. They were just paid by another. Mm. They were not removed. 
You were as guilty as sin. You were guilty to die. You were lost and without hope. But he took all of that on himself, and he paid for it for you. And the veil was rent so that you could go into the holy presence of God without relying on another. But you in your own unrighteousness can still boldly go before the throne of grace because he paid the price. He paid it. He paid it. Ray Boltz wrote a song several years ago. This is probably 40 years ago. And, and, and I've used the song, and the more I've thought about the song, the more the song is unbiblical. And, and, but I know what he was saying, okay, so I'm not criticizing Ray Boltz. But the song was, does he still feel the nails every time I fail? And the question is, or the answer is, no. He felt it 2,000 years ago. And he felt it then because he knew what you were going to do today. He knows how frail we are, and yet he still paid the price. So let the veil be removed. Read the last two verses, Paul. Now the Lord is that spirit. Now, now. We've talked about all the glory. We've talked about the old becoming the new. And now, read. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. <laughs> you are free now. But we all, with open face beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. <laughs> ah, here's how new you are. You are so new that he is making you like himself. Now you tell me, my friend, if Jesus is trying to make you through the Spirit to be more like him, do you think he cares about your past? Does he, do you think he cares about your former glory? He doesn't care where you can. You can come to him from anywhere. You just can't go anywhere from him. You can come to him as an addict. You can come to him as a prostitute. You can come to him as an abuser. You can come to him as somebody filled with hate. You can come to him as an atheist. You can come to him as an agnostic. I don't care where you came from. You can come to him because the price has already been paid and the veil has already been rent. And he's standing there, arms open wide. You know what? You can stand. You can hope. Here, here, here's the thing. You have an opportunity like none other. I have an opportunity like none other. 
Can I just tell you? I hope, I hope that Jesus is pleased with my preaching today. I do. I don't ever want to disappoint him. He, he's given me this opportunity to act like a freak. And so I'm going to act with all freakness. But you want to know what? Heaven's not rejoicing for my message today. They haven't started partying because Trish and the team sounded good today. Added new wrinkles to songs and some of you didn't even realize it was new. But heaven's not rejoicing because of that. Can I tell you when heaven rejoices, when heaven throws a party? The Bible says, when one sinner comes to repentance. I just got this picture in my head that Jesus is standing there waiting for that one person that can't get over their past but is willing to raise their hands in his presence and say, God, I'm sorry. I want to change the way I think. I want to change the way I act. I want to pursue you. I can almost see Jesus going, okay, Gabriel, that's the cue. Get the Get the instruments going. Get the dancers dancing. Get the shouters shouting. Let's have a party because that individual has come to me. One person, one person that's willing to lay down the glory of the old and step into the greater glory of the new sets heaven off. Mm. If you're here today and you have had troubles overcoming your past, it has wrapped you up, tangled you up, tied you up, and you don't think there's any breath to be had. If that's you, I'm asking you to create in your mind right now a space. I want you to picture Jesus however you think he looks. I want you to picture him in your mind. Close your eyes and look into his face that you can imagine him to be. And I want you to know that on his face there is a smile. And on his face there is a tenderness and a mercy and a love. And his arms are outstretched. And what I want you to do now, if you're willing and ready just to give up the past and step into the new, raise your hands right now in the presence of God and begin to tell him, Jesus, I don't even necessarily know what to do, but here I am. I sense your anointing. I sense your love. And God, if this thing is real, I want it. If you're real, I want it. If you're really talking about me today, I need it. God, I want my past to be gone and I want my future to be new. Church, begin to worship. Yes, 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 yes. 
Hallelujah! Just before they start to sing, if you are either brand new or you don't even know what's going on, you're just totally confused by what's happening, you're just in the presence of Jesus. Here's what I want to challenge you to do. Step out from your seat and make your way across the front here. If you are here today and you've never been baptized with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in an unknown language, step into the aisle and you want to. Step into the aisle and make your way to the front. Right now, Jesus wants to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Oh, come on, folks. Jesus is calling you. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, come on, church. Come and help me pray. Yeah. Jesus. Right now, God. Right now, God. He loves us. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. That's Jesus right there. That's Jesus. Yeah, go ahead. Jesus, flood his heart. Yes, 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 yes. Hallelujah.
in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Oh. 